You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is the fastest growing outdoor themed social media app on the market. All you have to do is go to wherever you download your apps and download Go Wild. And for more information, you can visit timetogowild.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. If you haven't already, go check out exodusoutdoorgear.com and buy a trail camera. Discount code Nine Fingers, that's the number nine, followed by the word fingers, and you'll receive $20 off of your trail camera purchase. And here's my pencil. Bounce it on my desk. Dude, I don't know what it is. I'm having a tough season so far, and I haven't hunted a lot, so I really haven't had a lot of tree stand time, but I've checked my trail cameras a lot, and and I don't mean like invasive types of checks. If they have been, it's because I've hunted those locations. I do not have the deer on my property this year that I have had in the past, and what makes me worried this year as opposed to other years is... Yes, I may have had other years where there were not big deer showing up or mature bucks that are my target bucks, let's say, showing up. It's just that those deer were still nocturnal. The big bucks were nocturnal, which means, you know, the closer it gets to the rut, the more likely they are to show themselves. But this year, I don't have any of those types of deer on trail camera. I have one buck who, and this is no joke, one buck, two-year-old, 120-inch eight-pointer. That is what I have on trail camera. All my mature bucks are gone. And I'm just hoping they're on neighboring properties and decide to show back up here pretty soon. But I have no idea what's going to happen in the next couple weeks. I just have to have faith that the rut is going to bring out the big boys. And uh, so, therefore, I have something to chase. Uh, The last, you know, the last two or three trail camera polls have been you know, less than desired, so to speak. So whatever, uh, it's the ruts coming and, uh, my rut starts on Friday. My vacation starts on Friday of this week and I'm going to be taking the kids down to my mom's cause my wife's got to work. I'm going to be grind starting the grind, you know, so they say, uh, November 2nd through however long it takes me. I got two weeks of vacation and, uh, I'm just going to start going and going and going and going until uh you know hunt my stands you know get the process going locate a deer on trail camera you know put it on a move or if i see something from the sand be as mobile as possible to put myself in the right possible position and uh, that is how i typically hunt and in the past it's been i've been successful doing it that way this year um I don't know what I want yet. Um, that changes. If I could sit here and tell you, hey, I, I'm only going to shoot a four-year-old that's X inches or bigger, and that's not always the case. Um, I'm going to shoot a deer that makes me happy, and once, and that could be anything at the moment. I, I'm kind of a, one of those guys who, if it makes me feel good in the moment, I'm going to do it. And if it doesn't, well, it doesn't. 
and I keep going. So that's that's kind of a breakdown of how I'm going to approach this upcoming season. Uh, one thing that just popped into my head that I think may be part of the reason I'm not seeing the big mature bucks is we've had an infestation of coyotes that might have something to do with it, but like the quantity of deer is not low. The coyotes are higher, but it doesn't seem like they're spooking them. We have a we had high water and we have crops that are still in the around in the area in the fields. So hopefully over this week and early next week those start getting out. Hopefully we get a big uh, dump of cold weather and get some weather to come through, chill everything out, and that's that's the goal for this. Uh, that's that's my rut goal anyway. So. Today's podcast, we're going to be talking with a gentleman, Nate Thomas, and Nate harvested his biggest buck to date, and he jumped on the podcast to share that story. He lost a property, and he was shitting his pants before the season even started because he didn't know if he was going to have a place to hunt. So with a little luck and uh, knowing the right people, he was able to get on a piece of property um, that his buddy helped him with, and... uh, Uh, I guess the sun shined on him because it was loaded with some really good deer and he killed his hit lister, number one hit list buck from that property. Uh, And that's what today's podcast is about. So if you lost property, don't give up, knock on doors, do whatever you have to do, hunt public, because I can't imagine a world because I know someday I'm going to lose a property, right? And uh, the goal is A, to have a backup ready or B, start knocking on doors, hunt public, whatever it is. Uh, just keep grinding, keep grinding, keep grinding, keep grinding. I've talked too much, but before we get into today's podcast, guys, I don't even know what to say. Um, Exodus trail cameras has been a, like they've, they helped me basically fund this podcast. And, and what I mean by that is they were one of the first partners to jump on board. So I owe them a lot from that uh, standpoint, and hopefully that uh, the attention that I've brought them is a two-way street. And at the same time, they make a very high-quality trail camera. And I I say this every single time, but their trail cameras work, and they do what they're supposed to do, and that is take pictures. In the past, in the past, in the past, 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 I have had trail cameras not work. They did not take pictures after I turned them on. It should be simple: format the card, turn on the trail camera. And then it should take pictures. In the past, I've had some trail cameras that did not do that. I have yet. This is like three years now, four years, that I've been using Exodus. Three years. Exodus trail cameras. And no problems. Not one problem. That, you know, I have had the, hey, you forgot to turn it to the on position. That's my fault. But when I set it up properly, they don't fail. They have a five-year theft uh, warranty. And I know I'm talking a lot about them, but I really appreciate the company. Uh, so uh, their warranty is uh, if someone steals your trail camera, all you have to do is get a hold of them and they'll sell you another one for half price or something like that. Don't quote me on that. I should know that. But uh, And from a customer service standpoint, if you have problems, you can call them and if they don't answer they will return your call or you text them and they will return your call. I swear to God, they, they will help you out. So if you want to find out more about an Exodus trail camera, you need to visit exodusoutdoorgear.com and take a look at their trail cameras. They have two right now. They have the lift and the trek and they're high quality. Both of them are. One is a little lower of a price point than the, uh, the trek is a lower price point than the lift, but what I'm getting at is it's a high-quality camera run by some high-quality people. And if you just do decide to buy a trail camera, I already said this, Exodus trail cameras, you need to enter the discount code 9FINGERS. That's the number 9 followed by the word FINGERS. I've talked too much. We've hoard out. We've paid the bills. Let's get into today's, I guess, Big Buck Profile podcast with Nate Thomas. All right, on the phone with me right now, Mr. Nate Thomas. How you doing, man? Good. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing good. And uh, as we start to do more of these Big Buck Profile podcasts, uh, I always ask the question, because how, how many days ago 
was it from the time we're recording this to when you shot this buck? So I, I guess it would be eight days ago. He was shot on October 16th. October so 16th. last Tuesday. Right in yep. the middle of the October lull. Yep. Oh, man. That lull, you, sh- you, sh- you shouldn't have even been hunting then. I actually wasn't supposed to hunt that day at all. So uh, <laughs> You got lucky. Uh, came together, yep. Well, we talked a little bit about um, – about this through some emails, through uh, a little conversation before he had, uh, before he started recording this particular podcast, and this is a pretty cool story because it, a lot of people would have just said screw it and maybe I don't know went to a piece of public land or maybe not even hunted right because the right. story of this buck actually starts way before the season even started. And it's just like the path that you took to get to this buck uh, was kind of long and a little stressful, you know, before the story even started. And I think that's where we're going to start. But before we get there, why don't you tell everybody where you're from and uh, what do you do for a living? Sure. So uh, I live in uh, West Central-ish Missouri, uh, about an hour east of Kansas City. Um, uh, married to my wife, Rebecca and four children. So hello, Kylie, Caden, Chase, and Bennett. Um, and I am actually a loss prevention rep for a, a specialty insurance company. So I travel all over Missouri, Kansas, and Iowa, uh, working. So that's what I do for a living. Cool. Cool. And so you're, you're out of the Missouri, right? And that's one thing, man, Correct. Like, Missouri is an over the counter state for non-residents, right? Uh, yes. Right. Yep. I've been th- like, I've been thinking I need to do some scouting on some public land on the north side of the state because I hunt only about an hour from the Missouri border, maybe maybe even closer. And I feel like one of these years, if I take out early again, I need to go try to find some some public to get it done at in Missouri. Yeah, and and I don't know a whole lot about the northern part of the state, but I think there's a I think it's called Mark Twain. Uh, somewhere up uh, in the north central part of the state is a large uh, area uh, of public land that I've heard is awesome. I mean, most of the north part of the state is. So right, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yep. cool. All right, so let's get this this uh, story started. And it started a, a while ago when you lost your main your main piece of property. So why did you lose your main hunting farm? How did you lose it? So. Um, kind of started back in oh, April and May of, or, or May of this year. Um, and I sort of lost access, not totally, but lost access to my main farm where I killed my 2017 buck off of, um, long story short, uh, essentially, um, his, uh, his son, um, was going to be hunting there and, um, you know, I didn't want to really intrude any more than I already was. So I, it was kind of a graceful bow out, type of situation. Uh, but at that point I was kind of like, well, now what? Right. Um, so one of my good hunting buddies, uh, of our little group, uh, of, of, uh, friends who, uh, all share the same interest and, and do things. And he's part of our, our little outdoor crew, uh, dead to right outdoors. Hi guys. Um, he, he has a 40 acre farm, um, which most of it, uh, is, um, this year it's in beans. So about 15 to maybe 20 acres is timber, but it it does butt up to a large section of timber to the West. Um, He very graciously, basically uh, Andy said, um, you know, I've never really hunted it because he's had other options and opportunities. Um, I know there's deer there because I see them out in the field behind the house at times. Uh, You're welcome to give it a shot. Nice. And that's kind of where it started. So I thought, well, screw it. I'll, I'll start scouting, um, put some mineral out, started hanging cameras. Uh, that's sort of how it began. Okay. Um, so backing up, backing up just a bit, when you lost that piece of property or you, you quote unquote bowed out of that property. So the landowner's son could hunt it. Did you lose that property like for a long time or is it just for this year? I feel like a, probably a long time. Yeah. Um, and then this year was kind of special because yeah, I had access, but it's going to be logged. And yeah. so I 
basically need to be out of there and have stands down by the time crops come out yeah. uh, or just shortly after. So, you know, you're not going to have a whole lot of quality hunting most likely anyways uh, this year. And then, you know, I, honestly, uh, Dan, I, I don't know for sure moving right. forward right. Uh, what will happen there. But, um, you know, that's kind of what happened this year. So, I, um, you know, I just kind of was like, well, no uh, – no good hunting time at least by the time it's starting to get logged and uh so that's kind of what happened there yeah yeah i'll tell you what especially when you're a hardcore outdoorsman right and you've been hunting a piece of property for x number of years whether it's two or whether it's 20 and that farm gets sold or you lose rights on it it can be a a moment where you're just like oh my god all, all yeah. like you don't even know what to say. I've I've done that before, and that that yeah. that right there. A lot of guys, like I said earlier, would do a couple things. Right? There's the, hey man, I don't have any place to hunt. I'm not going to knock on doors, and I don't want to hunt public ground, so I'm just not going to hunt, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Or yeah, that would that would take a lot for me to not do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or you get you or you uh, you do it. I did when I lost my main, my main, main farm back in the day was you start knocking again and you start knocking right. and you knock and you knock and you knock till your arm hurts. And then you finally, you know, you go back there several times and it doesn't work <laughs> or you, um, I don't know, long story short, were you getting, did you get stressed out or was the transition from that losing that main farm to your buddy saying, Hey, hunt this 40. Was that a short window? Yeah. Um, right when it happened. Yeah, of course. Um, because as you kind of said, I was comfortable there. That's really only place I've ever hunted for the most part. Um, since I started hunting and, and I didn't start until later in life anyway. Uh, but you know, that was pretty much, so I had gotten comfortable there. Right. Um, but you know, because of the group of guys I, I do this with, I don't know exactly how many days, but almost immediately Andy reached out and said, Hey, that sucks. Um, you can feel free. I know it's only, you know, basically 15 to 20 acres worth of huntable area, but there's deer there. I know that I don't know what, but you know, so that, that definitely helped. And, um, my brother-in-law and myself, uh, Russell, we also kind of started putting together a plan for another family farm that, really had been left alone because it really hadn't shown much potential over the years anyways. Um, so we thought, you know what, let's give it a run. Um, that sort of uh, scenario. So, you know, I was upset, but it wasn't going to stop anything. I was, I was going to be hunting one way or another. Right. So, uh, started needing to make lemon, uh, lemonade out of the lemons I was given. So, um, that, you know, it didn't last long. No. Gotcha. So, that that window of oh shit was short. You got on your buddy's property and you talked with your brother in law uh, about a, a, you know a family farm that you guys were going to approach. What what did you what what was the first step once you fa- you kind of sat down and said I have this property now and I have this property now. What was the first step to preparing for this season? So first thing. Um we and I did was, uh, Oh, it might even, even been before July, but we put out as many cameras as we owned. And actually Russell and I bought another few. Um, and we thought that was probably the best first step is to go, go in and kind of scout, look for what we might think would be travel areas. Um, and, and just start. And like I told you, we put some mineral out in, in both of them and and set up cameras and just started um surveilling the farms basically um to see what if anything shows up right okay so that was the the first step so trail cameras right Mm -hmm. first card pull of the year i mean did you do anything from when you set the trail cameras out to the first card pull no stayed out of there okay stayed out of there Yep. what did that first card pull tell you uh, it was like the best Christmas I've ever had. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. um isn't so, that such a great ahead, feeling, ahead. especially when, when there's so much unknown? Yeah, for sure. Yep. So, uh, the 40 acre farm, 
um, the one I uh, ended up killing him on, the first pull, um, I probably had a dozen different bucks on there who obviously were just still, you know, getting to go. Right. And you could already tell there were some big boys. Um, so I named several. Uh, he ended up an easy one to name. I named him Basket Case uh, for obvious reasons, but uh, and and they were and they were there consistently. Um, I'm talking every few days they were on the camera. So um, and all of all the shooters were there consistently right off the bat. So okay. got excited real quick. Right. Um, so that was the first one. All right. So first card pull shows you, hey man, you know maybe I'm not. A- down and out as I thought, but there's always that realization that, Hey man, this is just summer pictures. Right. And for anybody Correct. who's, yep. oh, yeah. anybody who's run trail cameras long enough, uh, throughout the summer into the fall, you see that once the, the horns go hard, it's a completely different story. And that happened to us. Okay. Uh, so we actually pulled, uh, cards twice before we left. Um, we left at the end of August for our um, Colorado uh, archery elk trip uh, as a group. So two days before we left um, to Colorado, we pulled a second pull and we had the exact same sort of uh, showing, you know, they were showing up the same way um, and getting bigger and bigger and bigger, obviously. So um, the second pull, I got just as excited. Um, You know, little did I know the pull after we got back from Colorado would depress me. Right. Um, but, uh, so, but it was on, good. On it was hit. good. Right. I mean, oh, yeah, like that second, sure. yep. that second pull, I mean, you have this brand new property that is holding good deer so far, as far as you know, let's talk, yep. uh, let's talk about the quality of, uh, of the deer that were on this camera. Talk about size and age. So I, I only named three of the deer on this property. Um, there were more than that who were not just yearlings. Um, but I thought they were probably just two and a half, maybe three and a half. Um, basket case himself was definitely the largest. Um, he, by the end of August or the middle of August, the last photos I had of him, he basically looked like a rectangle with legs, uh, just a, a big bodied deer. Um, I immediately noticed that he was darker than all the rest of the deer as well, which was interesting Yep. Uh, because you know, those bucks were always with each other. Um, he was definitely the, the biggest and the one I liked the most. Um, there were two other shooters who I ended up naming Sub-Zero and Cyrax because I'm not creative enough to think of names, so I started <laughs> using uh, Mortal Kombat characters. <laughs> hey, that's cool, dude. Uh, did, yeah. Do you like... That was my jam back when I was a kid. So yeah. you like playing Mortal Kombat? Oh, I loved it. When I was a kid, I bet I, I, I played that game all the time. On, sure. on which yeah. ones? Like uh, Sega Genesis. Sega Genesis. Do you remember? Yep. Do you remember the original Mortal Kombat? On Sega, yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I had them all do and you, watched all the movies, all of it. Do you remember <laughs> the? Uh, do you remember the Blood Code? Oh yeah, for sure. I had all the cheats. I was. That was a killer. I love that game. I don't know. Sorry, but anyway, you named, no, no, that's awesome. you named your your buck uh, your buck after uh, mortal your bucks after Mortal Kombat characters. That's cool. Yeah. All right, so so Sub Zero was definitely uh, he was definitely mature as well. He actually has a larger rack than Basket Case. Um, he's a wide wide rack uh, deer, and then Cyrax was base. He's a ten pointer um, who probably three and a half you know, maybe been older and it's just difficult to know, you know, without having much more history than I do. But, um, so those were the three that I, I, I called shooters there. Right. Uh, but like I said, there were definitely more, um, than that. Yeah. Yeah. So there was more than what, what going into this season after you had those first two really good trail camera pick, uh, pulls, did you determine at that point what your, what your goal was as far as an age class or antler size was? Yeah. So, um, my, my buck last year was actually my first archery kill. Um, he was a 10 pointer and, uh, I, you know, I'd never be more proud of a deer than I am him. Um, but he only ended up scoring a 125. So, um, you know, my goal this year was to shoot a larger and older deer. And, um, that was my goal. 
and then it got exacerbated by photos. Right. Um, Because then I thought, well, maybe I can pass on a three and a half year old, whereas that was a goal of mine in the future, but it looks like it might be attainable this year. So uh, that's basically what I, uh, the goal I set for myself. And then from there, you know, I kind of just started thinking about my plan of action uh, on how I was going to go about doing it um, or we were going to go about doing it. And so that's, that's kind of, you know, some of the, some of the daydreaming in Colorado when I was napping at noon, uh, went back to Missouri and started thinking about that as well. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of where we're at there. Cool. So leaving to go to your elk hunt, uh, you were happy. And then the card pull after that, not so happy. What happened? Nope. Uh, got home. Uh, season starts September 15th in Missouri, uh, archery season. So went out and pulled before season and they all disappeared. Um, so the last photo I had of him was on August 23rd and nothing between then and the beginning of the season. And, um, then I pressed a little bit when I started hunting, um, because my plan was to get on them early, um, because they were there so often I wanted to get on them early season and and get it over with. But, uh, that quickly went away when they weren't coming and nothing was on camera anymore except for doe. So, um, that's, that's where the, I guess you call it the depression, uh, set in a little bit. Right. Okay. Now that we've talked about the deer on that are on this property, I want to kind of, I want to pivot a bit and I want to talk about the property itself. So on this 40 acres, you mentioned that it, it had some timber on it that butted up to another piece of big timber. So it was somewhat good, but what other terrain features did this piece of property had that made it so attractive to these, to these bucks? Well, so actually I think it ended up, you know, it was, it's close to town actually. Um, so his farm, uh, you know, if it's a big square, um, the, the Northern half was the ag and the Southern half was the timber. That timber is then basically cut in half by a Creek. Um, where the, the south half of that timber is almost all thorny locusts and thick. And the north half um, is mostly hardwoods and, and things like that. Um, so I think the southern half was definitely um, a bedding area and place for them to feel safe. Um, the, the farm to the west of the property had a lot of large timber and ag. And then the east of the property was the town. So you knew the deer weren't coming from there. Um, unless they were walking through city streets right. uh, for the most part. I mean, it was, it was close to town. It wasn't right next to town like that, but, um, so I think they just felt safe, uh, probably very low pressure over the years as well. Um, so, uh, they felt pretty safe there and, uh, had a lot of cover, a lot of, a lot of acorns in there, um, that sort of stuff, which I know they're not on right off the bat, but, um, just a lot of easy, easy walk. The Creek goes all the way to where they need to go West. Um, that sort of stuff. So it sounds to me that in this 40 acres, there's food, water, cover, everything they need, right? Yep. Pretty much, yep. And then, and then a property really close that is his neighbor, uh, is a pond for them to drink right out of that is very secluded. So, I mean, even more water if, if the Creek ever were dry. So, right. And the fact that there's probably some, you know, escape route slash more cover on that big set of timber to the West. Yep. Yeah, okay. they can be gone quickly. Yep. Okay. So I re- really everything that uh, a whitetail needs, and then whatever low pressure there is for a whitetail to get old, right? And it looks and th- you're, yeah. that's what your yep. trail cameras told you anyway. That's that's what they look like. Yep. Yep. All right. So they disappeared, right? And so your you said your goal was to get on them early, but now that they disappeared, did that change the strategy at all? Yeah. Uh, so basically what I did was, um, I hunted hard and quick, um, right off the bat. And, uh, every time I went into hunt, I pulled my card and got more discouraged, more discouraged. So I sat back and said, don't be stupid. Yeah. Um, they'll come back. And so I, I disappeared out of there altogether for almost a month, a full month actually. Um, 
and uh, started hunting the other property uh, a little bit um, and just said, be patient, they'll come back. Um, and that's kind of what I told myself. Uh, and so that's kind of my, my plan changed um, yeah. based on what I was seeing right off the bat. Okay, so, so. You, you made that switch to the other farm to hunt. Was this Was this switch just to continue hunting and just be be hunting and not necessarily like hunting a specific deer or any deer on that farm it was basically hey i, I love hunting so i'm gonna go hunt but i don't want to hunt this 40 because i know that if i do i'm gonna put too much pressure on it um yes and yes so that other farm also had some some uh some lookers okay on there okay uh and they just weren't as consistent. It's not a, a, a farm that we think right now uh, holds them in. There's not a lot of timber. Uh, there is a creek that borders the south end of the property that is uh, paralleled by an old railroad. So they've basically got their own little highway right there uh, to to travel up and down. A um, couple pinch points that we like in there. And like I said, we did see some, some, some good ones in there as well that just weren't as consistent. Uh, and it, it didn't hurt that the first night I went there, I saw a shooter. So, um, the first night I went, uh, saw a shooter. So that, that helped me go, Hey, maybe I'll, you know, chill here for a little while and, 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 and hunt here. I just, we just didn't want to burn it out either. So, um, that's kind of a catch 22 on that. Yeah, absolutely. So you saw that shooter. So then did you forget about that 40 for a little while or did you, uh, did, did, was it always uh, in the back of your head? Because sometimes what no, I do, what, what I do is I I'll see a shooter and I'll just forget about the rest of the plane. I'll just attack that one and forget about everything else, hoping that uh, you know I I'll go back to it if it doesn't pan out with the one I'm chasing. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. Uh, he definitely got me excited. Um, I don't know exactly which buck he was. If he was even one of the bucks we had on camera out there. Um, but yeah, I, I forgot about it that night. Um, but this, this deer I ended up killing, boy, he was the one, he was the one I wanted. Um, you know, he wasn't the largest of, of them all, but, uh, his, he was definitely the oldest and, uh, his rack is just so, so unique. And, and I, uh, he was the one, so he was always in my mind, um, wondering if he was there you know, that sort of stuff. Is it, has it came back yet? I w I'd really love to go check the camera tonight, uh, but I should just stay out of there. Um, that sort of stuff. So yeah. I kept thinking about it, but I love hunting and, uh, I was going to do it while I could somewhere else. And, uh, and had a lot of good hunts, um, at, at the other farm while I was waiting. So, right. Okay, cool. Yep. So you chase that one for a night. How long, before you ended up coming back to this 40 to check trail cameras to see, you know, Hey, is anything changed yet? I didn't check the camera again until the night I killed him. All right. So what, what made you want to go back to that farm to hunt? What were the, was there, uh, was there certain conditions that made it favorable? Yep. 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 Uh, so twofold, we had a cold snap hit that week. Um, and I've started hearing things from, Andy and Micah and Russell, um, some of the guys, uh, part of the crew and, uh, Andy saw two uh, mature bucks fighting, um, a couple days before that, um, Micah saw a deer chasing, uh, or a buck chasing a doe and, um, just seems like stuff was starting to happen. Um, and then that particular night, uh, or that particular day, we had a South Southwest wind and that is that is pretty much the only wind that I will hunt at that property, which makes it sort of difficult as well this time of year. Um, and that day just happened to work out great, uh, that I came home from St. Louis working. My second customer canceled. I got home at about three in the afternoon. I checked the weather and the wind was almost perfect. It was 40 degrees. And I said, I'm going to go hunt and check the camera and see what's going on. Uh, so that's, that's what I was looking to do. And, and that's why it, it happened that night because of the conditions and the snap we had, uh, and the, and the change in the weather that week. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yep. All right. So let's talk about 
from I mean, did you check the camera before the stand before you went to the stand or after it? Um, I grabbed the card and climbed. Okay. Did so, you did you check yep. it? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Did you check it at the camera or while you were in the tree? No, uh, while I was in the tree. Okay. Yep. So you you uh, you park, you go check the camera, you go to your stand, you're flipping through the pictures. What no, number one? Did you see any sign or any? Uh, indication that there was uh you know now some of these bucks had returned and second like when you when you finally hit that picture and you knew he was in the area what was going through your mind so lots of pictures showed up um and they were towards the end so there were some bucks showing up again which was promising because they all disappeared um and uh and then i got to october 11th uh, on the on the card, and Cyrax, the buck I was telling you about, the ten pointer, he yep. shows back up. Yep. Then October twelfth, Sub Zero showed up, and October thirteenth, Basket Case shows up, and all three of them in shooting light okay. during shooting hours. So you know, got excited then, and then I thought, okay, I'm gonna go check the weather those days. What was the weather like? I don't necessarily remember. Um, I remember being on October 13th, which is the day basket case showed back up. We actually went to the whitetails unlimited banquet that night, uh, as a group Okay. and talking, uh, to one of our other, uh, friends, Pat asked me, you know, what's going on there. And I even, I remember saying they're gone. They've all disappeared. Yep. Little did I know they had all just shown back up. Um, and he, he, he even did that that day. So, uh, I went back and checked the weather on historical weather, uh, some website I found and it was between 40 and 45 degrees, all three of those days. And the, the, the wind had been coming somewhere out of the South, all three of those days. So the exact same conditions I was in that night. So I got cautiously optimistic really quickly. Um, you know, about four o'clock or three thirty, whenever I was there. So, so, were you convinced, I mean, how many days previous was it when they were in daylight? Three. Three, okay, so three. Three, four, and five. Three, yeah. four, three four, and five days. Then what, what happened? Did they go nocturnal, or did they not show up on camera? Uh, so, they weren't on camera uh, since the 13th, and I, remember, I killed them on the 16th. So, yep. on the 14th, 15th, and 16th, there were uh, three other bucks, uh, all legal shooters, but none I would have taken, um, that also showed up. So, you know, in a six-day span, there were six different bucks that all showed back up, along with several doe, uh, mature does. And uh, so nothing as far as them, but uh, other bucks showed up. And from what I can remember, every single one of them was during shooting shooting hours cool Cool. Uh, so that was that was promising yeah absolutely all right so we got that straightened out you're in your stand now and now why don't you talk us through from you know from after you you know put the card reader away or however you checked your uh your card to the time that he, he showed up yeah so um you know sat for quite a while with no movement um got up a couple more times honestly and sprayed down with my scent killer (laughs) um just to be extra careful um i I probably go a little overboard with spraying myself uh down with scent killer on top of some of the other things i do but um so sat sat some more um no movement but i wasn't really expecting anything before let's say six o'clock anyways um and six o'clock hit and i decided you know what we've seen we've heard bucks fighting each other pushing does around i'm gonna throw a little light rattle out there um no deer in the in the area right now as far as i knew so i'm just gonna little you know tickle the the times a little so i started doing that and not even 10 seconds into doing that i see two deer coming directly from the west on a pretty hard trot towards me So I immediately stopped thinking, oh, no, bucks. Well, darned if they weren't two does. Okay. 
which I immediately was like, what is that about? But I didn't want him to, to peg me. Um, so I stopped and they, they hung up around 60 yards out and, uh, I was downwind of them. So they would have never got me and they kind of stayed out in the bean field. They were, they were going to head to. So I thought, well, that's promising. At least there's deer in the area. As soon as, uh, maybe three minutes after I rattled a really small eight pointer comes in straight to me, um, kind of hangs out underneath my stand and then immediately stands at attention and starts staring straight in the distance um, or the direction he came from, which was basically my west, southwest. Gotcha. Um, so I immediately watching him knew that there's something that he is concerned about. Um, and at that moment, I happened to look towards the creek, and all I see is a big, dark body. And I immediately said, that's him to myself and I hadn't even seen a rack yet right. um, and he comes into the creek starts drinking out of the water I catch a glimpse of his rack and just said that's basket case to myself and never again looked at his antlers okay. until I picked them up so um, that's the first moment I laid eyes on him and I'll tell you I like to keep my I like to say I keep my cool but boy I felt like my heart was going to fly out of my chest. Yeah, been um, there, been there. Oh that's man. that's it's, why we do it, man. That's why we do it. So, yeah, it was it was great. Um, I even actually remember, and I still have the video. I took a video with my phone of the little buck when he came in. Right. Um, and remember thinking to myself, how come it's the little ones? Um, and then you know, not two seconds after I say that to myself immediately see him you know stand at attention and and thought huh something's off so i stopped recording and put my phone down uh and that's when he walked in so uh so i see him um he hangs up in the creek for a minute um which is actually a good thing because it gave me time to yell at myself to calm down um you know settle down settle down uh also remember i had this little buck that was directly underneath me that was starting to wonder what's going on yeah. up there. Yeah. And, uh, cause I was trying to get ready. As soon as I saw those doe uh, a couple minutes before, uh, I did grab my bow. Um, I kind of like to err on the side of caution. So I already had my bow in my hand. Um, I don't like to be kind of stuck, you know, up a Creek without a paddle. Um, so I already had my bow, but as the basket case started to work his way into the clearing, I had to draw. Um, I was either going to draw or he was going to come out of the clearing and eventually find, you know, notice me. Um, so as, as he started walking out a little bit, I decided I've got to do this. So I, I drew my bow and that, that young buck immediately spooked. And as soon as he took off, I said some, some choice words to myself. Uh, cause I thought, well, this is over. Um, he actually did me the biggest favor uh, I could have ever asked. As soon as he did it, um, basket case also spooked a little bit, but he ran right into my shooting lane at 15 <laughs> yards and stopped. Oh, and man. I, I let it fly, and uh, I, I thought I hit him great, um, but when he started running away, I used a lighted knock. And I knew I could see my arrow didn't pass through and was hanging out of him quite a bit. So I thought, well, what's wrong? What did I do wrong? Um, he ran maybe 40 yards and piled up. And that was that. Uh, I hit his opposite shoulder is what happened. But um, Double lung, so, though? Double lung, yep. Uh, he didn't make it. Like I said, he, he took off north and then circled back around, jumped and piled up. And he actually ended up maybe 40 yards from where I shot him straight, um, straight in my, you know, view. Um, you know, I pulled out the binoculars, made sure, yep, he's down. Uh, then I started making some phone calls. Who was um, your, who was your first phone call? So my first phone call was to Andy, um, who is the owner of the farm. Yep. Um, who was home. He actually just texted me before I saw that I started rattling and said, I'm going to let the dogs out if you don't mind. I said, sure. Um, and so I thought he was home and I, I actually called him to say, Hey, I got him. Um, 
you know, and he, he's got a side by side. He would have brought out and helped me load him. Uh, but he didn't answer. Uh, little did I know he ended up going to playing football. But um, so he, he's kicking himself because he wished he could have been there for that. But um, my second call was to my wife. Uh, I just told her, uh, hey, I'm not going to be home very soon. I just shot him. <laughs> so she said, good job, and we'll see you later. Uh, and then I called my brother-in-law, Russell, who uh, ended up coming out and helping me drag him out of the woods and attempting to load him. Uh, that was a difficult task. Yeah. Uh, then I called my other brother-in-law, Micah, um, who was also hunting at the time, so couldn't answer, and sends me a text message, you shot him, didn't you? <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Um, cause he knew about the time when I called him was about the time you're going to get those phone calls. Yeah. Um, and while I was waiting on Russell, I think I called uh, my other brother-in-law Grant. Just, there's a, a lot of us who love hunting, um, who, you know, a lot of them were the reason he was dead. Uh, I've learned a lot from them. I've learned a lot from you and Mark Kenyon, uh, you know, the land and legacy guys. Uh, I, I, when I first started hunting, I didn't. I didn't care about wind. I didn't care about what I smelled like. And I always wondered why I never saw anything. Um, and when I started seriously paying attention to, you know, what I was doing, uh, boy, it was like all of a sudden deer started showing up all the time. So the details, um, the details, I, I refuse to hunt a wind that is bad. Um, I will hunt a wind that will almost get me busted. Um, Kind of like I think it's you that says, you know, those winds that almost get you busted are when you kill them. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what I was doing that night. The wind was basically coming straight out of the west, so he was cutting the wind uh, where he came from. Right. And just didn't know I was there. Man, that's so, awesome. Yeah. So you get out of your tree and you walk up to him. And let me just ask you this. Is this the biggest buck you've ever shot? Yes. Okay. So yeah. as you walk up to him, and you're now standing over him and you're looking down on him and you know, you, you bend over and grab him for the first time. What was going through your head at that moment? I honestly, I, I couldn't even believe it, Dan. Um, it's, it's even hard to try to explain to you in words. I didn't think I would be able to pull off a plan like that. Um, right. it, it was just, it was nice to, put a plan in place and execute it. Uh, and, and it was, you know, it was terrific. I'm, my buck last year, it was during the rut and he showed up. Right. I mean, I never saw him before. So this was a totally different year and it was something I hoped would happen, but I really had no, no inkling that it was going to, uh, but I, I can't tell you what I felt. I was just happy. I mean, he, he meant a lot to me. Um, you know, did a lot of work, not just at this farm, but our other, our other farm and helping other people do stuff at theirs. A lot of work this, this last summer getting ready for the season. And, you know, it paid off in a matter of five minutes. So awesome. Uh, it, was, it was an awesome feeling. That's awesome. So how many bucks can you kill in Missouri? One or two? You can kill two, um, only one before rifle season. Okay. So, you can kill one archery, then during rifle you can kill another with either your your rifle or bow. And if you don't do anything during rifle season, you then can use your bow again uh, the rest of the season. So um, you you can kill two. Okay, that's cool. So basically, you know, you're tagged out now, uh, and the rut, time, yep. the Missouri rifle season starts like during the rut, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, it starts on November 10th. Okay, so... 10 days long. So, are you rifle hunting, or are you going to try to get out there and do it with a bow again? Um, I probably will go with my bow. Um, if if we go to the, the other farm, just depends. Um, there's a lot of longer shot opportunity out there. Um, that would... It might be hard not to take the rifle, but, you know, we we all love archery hunting so much that it's... It's it's almost I don't know it almost is it doesn't sound fun to shoot one with my rifle but yeah. um, so um, you know archery hunting is what we really enjoy we we just love our bows love shooting them we we practice all summer long at 3D shoots we go to for our elk hunt and 
you know, we, we do everything we possibly can to get ready uh, for this time of year. Um, I mean, we even do our own fletching of arrows and our own cutting and, you know, we, we've gotten into it pretty big. So it's, I don't know, it'll be hard not to take the bow. Yeah. I hear you, man. Well, it sounds like you on this farm, there's a couple, you know, a couple other bucks that are still running around that, uh, you know, are still on your hit list. Yeah, definitely. Yep. For sure. Cool. Cool. Don't well, think ma- I haven't thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, man, let me let me wish you uh, luck the rest of the season. Congrats on a beautiful deer, and uh, yeah, good luck, man. So I also forgot to tell you. Um, remember, I told you I thought he was just so large. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like a rectangle on on legs. He uh, he ended up weighing two hundred fifty pounds. Um, just a giant fat you know fat ass yeah um and just uh um you know he's at least five i would i would say probably six to be honest with you but um just a a big boy um and if i ever get the opportunity to kill a deer with that maturity again uh, i'll count myself lucky but um you know i uh i've got something to strive for for sure now Uh, he's gonna be hard to hard to stop yeah absolutely absolutely well thanks for taking time to hop on the podcast man all right thanks bud and there you have it ladies and gentlemen we have another podcast in the books huge shout out to our friend nate thomas for hopping on and sharing that story with us thank you very much and congratulations huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast exodus wasp lone wolf deer lab prime ripcord ozonics hunter safety systems guys please go out and support those companies because they support this podcast and lastly and most importantly i tell you what thanks to each and every one of you who have taken the time to download and continuing continuously listen to this podcast um i appreciate everything that you guys do for me it's uh it's a huge blessing and my goal is to someday return the favor so What else do I have to say? If you like this podcast, please go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast and leave a review. That would help out. Um, What else? What else? What else? Social media, Instagram, Facebook. Make sure you are following all of, not just mine, Nine Finger Chronicles, not just the Sportsman's Nation, but all the podcasts that are involved in the Sportsman's Nation. I can tell you we got a waterfowl podcast coming up. We're having a fishing podcast that's probably going to be coming up. I'm looking forward to sharing those as well. Other than that, I'm going to call it quits. And good luck to everybody this week and the next two weeks who are going to be chasing whitetails. We got the rut, right? It's coming up. It's our favorite time of year. If you're going to be in a tree, our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding you to please, 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 please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week. Thank you.